This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. Welcome back, guys, and uh, we've got another episode of Inspiring Design, and uh, we've got a special guest here with us from um, Kawana Waters State College, and uh, we've got, well, let's make Russell Lingard, the 21st century learning head of department here at the school, and let's make him feel welcome. How's it going, Russell? Really good, thanks, Rasha. Glad to be here. Glad to hear. Thanks for taking the time to for doing that. So, um, more or less, the reason why I wanted to have this um, conversation with you was um, I've heard that Kawana Waters is actually a very innovative school and you guys do a lot of cool things. So I wanted to have a bit of chat about how you do things around the school and what your role is and how you're actually preparing towards the 21st century um, learning habits and things like that. But uh, would you like to give a quick background and the role for yourself? Okay. Uh, I was brought into the college four years ago in the position of 21st century learning hood to essentially do what the role describes to modernise the curriculum and bring the school into the 21st century. Yep. Uh, that involved bringing in uh, a BYOX system for the kids, where the kids bring their own devices so they can interface in their own environment and take the learning home. Um, it was about enabling students to learn when they want, where they want, how they want. And yep. that's really been a focus of mine. Uh, and design and the new design thinking mod- models that are coming through from the QCAA and the new curriculum that we're offering has really supported that and enable us to branch into things like project-based learning and and thinking skills and yeah. and looking at the different aspects of design and the different aspects of thinking and how we can incorporate that in the classroom. That's and that's brilliant. really my focus. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm so glad to hear that teachers are actually making those steps towards a um, shift in that educational change. So that's brilliant. Um, how long have you been a design educator or in, in design education? Uh, probably uh, going on 20 years now. Wow. Um, <laughs> I originally taught graphics when I first started teaching in the late yep. 90s yep. Uh, as a side subject. It's not my trade, but mm-hmm. I went away and did some additional training and was teaching graphics in my first and second year of teaching. And I think that very brief introduction into design thinking and the design process was what set me up and allowed me to take that thinking and, and embed it in so many other curriculum areas that I've taught throughout my career. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And uh, how many um, graphics teachers or design teachers are there here in your college? There's five. There's five, yeah, great, great. Now, that's awesome. Um, How do you actually stay, do you have any uh, specific ways of tackling the rapid technology change along with the, um, you know, changes in design thinking and the shift in mindset as well? How do you actually tackle that in a a school, school environment? Yeah, absolutely. The change in technology is really hard to, to keep abreast of and keep in contact with. Uh, I'm really, really lucky here in that we've got a really progressive staff um, and that we've got staff that are willing to um, work around the edges and try new things and, and, and engage in new technologies and new opportunities that come up. Yeah. Uh, so that's really enabled me to, to test the edges. Uh, I've also been really lucky. I get a lot of support from our central IT department in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So that when we ring them up and go, we'd like to try this, yeah, yeah. Uh, more often than not, they're willing to at least consider what we're doing and, That's and good. support <laughs> what we're doing. Um, they hear from me more often than what they'd like, I think. But it's about, at the end of the day, uh, all of that process is about what the kids need. 
mm-hmm. and the students have to be the focus of what we need. Yeah. And it's not the teachers, yeah. it's the students. And the yeah. students are working and living in an environment where technology change is part of their daily being. Mm-hmm. If we're not prepared to tackle yeah. that here, yeah. we're not preparing them for the future. That's great. So yeah. it's leading, letting the kids lead a little bit as well mm-hmm. and talking to the students yeah. and, and looking at, at some of the things that they're doing and some of the things that they're thinking and some of the things that they're wanting to work with mm-hmm. and then trying to grab maybe not what they're using but something similar that we yep. can bring in so they can experience the same kind of learning and the same kind of experience that they get from the product that they're using. Yeah, yeah. So do you actually make a point to constantly speak to your um, kids about what kind of technology tools that they like to use or even they use? Is, is that something you're yeah. part of your own? Yeah, I like to, to get around and talk to the kids as much as I can as a parent myself. Yeah. Um, you get to learn from home as well. But, yeah, I, I try and make as much opportunity as I can to touch base with the students in a variety of different ways, either in my classes or outside of classes, and just talk yep. to them about um, ways that they engage in their own learning. And then that helps me gauge some opportunities that we can present here yep. Yep. Um, in regards to how we can personalise their learning yep. so that they feel as though they own the learning yep. and it's not us trying to push the learning on them. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And... Um, so what kind of technology tools do you actually use? Well, obviously, that, that, that opens the door to softwares or any uh, machinery Absolutely. or anything like that. Absolutely. Well, as a um, Education Queensland school, we're Microsoft-based. Mm-hmm. So we use uh, the Microsoft Office 365 suite as a core medium of delivery Okay. Yep. Uh, based around Class Notebook or OneNote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tends to be our primary point of call. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at, at import, importing different aspects of that in order to to bring in modules in regards to formative assessment and Mm -hmm. self-testing and a a whole range of things like that. We also heavily use the Adobe Suite, especially in those design aspects. I love the Adobe Suite. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just so easy. And um, it's it's amazing the number of teachers outside of the design subjects Mm -hmm. have been willing to give it a go and look at um, embedding different aspects of design into their curriculum, Mm -hmm. whether it's um, the language uh, Japanese classes designing logos for oh, wow. um, products that they want to deliver or yep. whether it's um, the same groups designing um, posters that they send to our sister schools in Japan yeah. and yeah. using the design aspects of Adobe in order to present them uh, whether it's English talking about how they're going to use aspects of design and, and film in regards to how they do their presentations or yeah. um, hospitality using it to to docu-blog their processes in the kitchen and, and a whole range of things like that. It's just been amazing how that's really taken off since we've had the CYOD or the BYOX program. That's great. And um, what about any 3D softwares and CAD softwares? What do you guys um, utilise in this college? That's probably our, our Achilles heel, if I could call it that. It's, okay. it's a real big focus area for us at the moment because uh, being from an environment in my previous schools where 3D printing and, and those... Um, physical mediums have been the mainstay mm-hmm. and acknowledge them having the feedback from the students where you know, being able to see and touch things is okay mm. but it's not what they're used to working in. Yep. A lot of them have VR goggles at home. A lot of them have <laughs> yep. do or, or, or work with 3D software at home. Mm. So I think that's going to be our focus for the future is, is looking at and some project we're working on is 3D walkthroughs of the Amazon forest for the for the geography classes. Yeah. So is that um, uh, video 360 
immersive type yeah. experience. Yep. And we're just about to launch into um, Google Expedition. So we're going to use Google right. Expedition in our junior school yep. as a medium of, of 3D engagement yep. to get them on board with the view that we'll look at additional the movies, the 3D, 360 movies 360. And, and aspects of that in the senior curriculum when we can really look at, you know, even with their health students, looking at... Um, elements of the body and because we run the Cert 3 and Cert 4 Health yep. and looking at bringing that kind of technology into there. Um, one of the, the things that we're working on with the University of the Sunshine Coast is a 3D paramedic experience for those students oh, that wow. are doing this. So yep. when they turn up and start the course, the first thing they'll do is put the VR goggles on yep. Yep. and they'll be in the back of a paramedic van and experiencing it. They'll have no experience, they'll have no knowledge, apart from what they'll have from basic science, and they'll be thrown in the deep end, and they'll be living and breathing what a paramedic does, because a lot of the graduates will then go on to do paramedics at USC. Um, And then they'll do it again at the end of the course, and it'll be part of the assessment process that we're negotiating with our external RTOs. So there's some really exciting things that we're looking at doing with our partners around the place. Yeah, definitely. And it's, once again, the focus has to be on the students. Yeah, has to be on making learning genuine, mm-hmm. personalised, and something that they can own and engage in. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That's seriously beautiful to hear. <laughs> um, how do you see the transition of the design discipline and uh, and uh, the core values that design used to have? It, it all, almost used to be a separate um, department. Um, in the industry, we've seen that design's actually merging more with. Um, the other industries and like becoming part of almost every facet of other disciplines like like the medicine um, example you mentioned do you see that happening in in a school environment as well absolutely um having uh, attended one of your design thinking for teachers courses one of the things that really grabbed me when i was sitting in that course and thinking about design and design thinking Mm -hmm. is how transdisciplinary it is how it can relate to anybody in any subject at any time yeah and how the process exists in the curriculum areas of all the subjects. Sometimes it's got a different language or a different dialogue around it, but the essential process and design and discovery process is the same. Yeah. And I think that's going to become more predominant in the way that students learn leaning into the future, especially when we're talking about the focus, the current focus, the QCAA on the 21st century skills yeah. in regards to innovation, critical thinking, yeah. collaboration, um, working in teams and and problem solving and those kind of aspects, it really lends itself to adopting that design process approach. So embedding the values of design thinking in everything. Beautiful. And making it um, user-centered, making those (laughs) those, um, discoveries. Now, whether it's a a biology assignment or whether it's an ancient history assignment or whether Mm -hmm. it's a business or a law assignment, it's about making the outcome of that process, a user-centered process, um, using empathy and things like that to get their message across and and, and, um, breathe change and breathe innovation in in regards to what the the discovery and the journey that they go on. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, One of the very concerning questions that I got asked recently at the the masterclass a few days ago uh, was that one of the teachers came and asked me whether or not um, like the importance of design and the feeling that INTAD teachers are currently having 
they're worried that they're going to be left behind and and that Intad's almost obsolete. So he asked me, his question to me was, do you think this is actually important for us to keep our jobs? Which was a very concerning question for me because he was a he was a relatively young teacher, and um, and he was concerned about his jobs because that that's design and Intad um, and graphics and things like that. It's what he knew, so he thinks it's coming to a point of um, an obsolete state. Do you think that there's any in, um, problems in that or do you think that Intad teachers can evolve into a different state? Yeah, I absolutely acknowledge the point that he's making and it's something mm. that I feel those Intad teachers are feeling and they do mm. they do have a lot of apprehension around change because the, the Intad curriculum in high schools has been so structured and so similar for so long. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the first significant changes in their curriculum and their offerings mm. in a long time, and it's challenging. Yeah. Can I see it being the demise of intent? Absolutely not. Okay, good. I actually <laughs> see I actually see design being included in Intad mm-hmm. as a revitalization that's needed. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually going to prolong the curriculum rather than be the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in its current form, I could see a horizon for Intad. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially when you look at the modernisation. Like we had our first three houses in New South Wales built by robots. Yeah, yeah. Bricklaying robots. i heard about that, yes. Built the whole thing. <laughs> so now when you're talking about that and you're talking about, you know, the old nail bangers, mm. you know, and you sort of say, well, that's not the future of Intad. That's not the future of yeah. of those industries. Design is the future. Yep. Is it going to replace those? No. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a skill change? Yes. Are they going to be able to adopt or adapt to be able to work through that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There will be some changes. It's going to be hard. I'm not going to doubt that at all. But it's about how we engage in that change process in order to ensure that the best outcomes come for both the educators yep. and the students. Yep. And I think with the design, what it's going to enable us to do is it's going to enable us to be a lot more fluent than what we were in the past. Mm. Whereas instead of you coming into a class and everybody builds a pencil case that is 25 centimetres long, 15 <laughs> centimetres across and yep. 5 centimetres deep, yeah, it'll be, we want you to make a pencil case, mm. but we want you to design it so it's personalised for you. Yeah, you know? And if you've got, if that's the pencil case that you want and it's going to meet your needs, that's, that's fine. fine. Then. Yep. But if you want to include you know, a space for your, iPod, uh, for your iPhone or you want to include charger or you want to include yep. something else, that's fine That's too. Great. It's about imagining what the product's going to look like for the user at the end yeah. and then en- f- enabling students to have that project-based learning approach mm. and be able to test their thinking. Yeah. And it's going to become more about thinking rather than about processes. Yeah. And I think that's the change and some people, myself initially included, mm-hmm. s- struggled with that because you're so used to it being a structured Mm-hmm. curriculum and a structured opportunity especially when you've got the the workplace health and safety obligations and things like that yeah. it does <laughs> it does become a little bit challenging a little bit challenging to be able to let the reins go a little and just say let's see what happens yeah yeah but i think that's the thing when we work through the process over time i think that's going to be the outcome and mm-hmm. that's what's going to ensure the future of that curriculum yeah beyond 2020 yeah yeah no, that's great. And I think um, Peter Murphy from um, at the data conference, Queensland version, his keynote was addressing the same thing. And, and I think uh, trying to empathize with the teachers who are feeling that concern and that worry. And 
the fact that we should embrace that change rather than be scared and and trying to try, trying to reject that. So definitely. Um, now, before we um, started recording today, you were you were sharing some of the projects, um, some cool things that your students have been doing. How did that actually come about, and how did you actually get them to? How did you facilitate that to come out of them? <laughs> yeah, um, in our grade nine curriculum, we've had a, a, a fairly big focus on critical creative thinking uh, at the college for the past twelve months, and doing a bit of research into thinking and, and learning and, and a whole range of things and design as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I wanted to be able to test with the students was the idea of um, independent project-based learning. So you give them a scaffold, Mm -hmm. give them a a process or an approach and seeing what they can come up with. So in response to that, about 12 months ago, I sat down with a couple of my peers and we designed a a curriculum called Future Innovators. Future Innovators, that's nice. So it's it's a six-month course and basically it's in two stages. So the students get a little bit of learning around design and the design process. Mm-hmm. And for this particular uh, evolution of the course, we used the, the EDGE design from the Digital Solutions curriculum because mm-hmm. a lot of our students came from Digital Solutions in semester one. Yeah. So that's that explore, develop, generate, evaluate. Yeah. And that's the, the model that we use, very yeah. similar to, the, to a lot of the design approaches. Mm-hmm. So we got the students to look at their personal experiences mm-hmm. and explore an issue that they're facing. Then they developed a number of options, generated a solution, which they're due to present next week. And it's really, really interesting where they went. Uh, Some of them went personal. Mm -hmm. For example, I've got one group that are very sporty. They're in our futsal excellence course. Mm -hmm. And they've got a favorite pair of shoes that they always like to wear, but they're only futsal shoes. So when they're playing outdoor, they've got to wear another set. It's not comfortable. So they come up with the idea of having interchangeable soles on a shoe. That's great. So they can wear the same set of comfortable shoes, whether they're playing indoor, outdoor, whether it's raining, whether it's dry. Yeah. Uh, another group, were they're very active, and they said, oh, I, I like to ride my bike, but I also like to fish. I like to be <laughs> out in the water. Yeah. So they come up with the idea of having a three-wheel mountain bike, three-wheel-style mountain bike, mm-hmm. that has canisters on the side. And when they're approaching water... There's a trigger that triggers the gas canisters, which then inflates these um, inflatable uh, tyres on the mm. outside of the existing tyres, yep. which are connected to the axles. So they will actually go straight out onto the water and yep. be able to float, have yep. their fishing rod in the in the basket in the back, and yep. be able to to operate on the water. And then they come back in, click a button. Once again, the invert the um, canisters invert and retract that, and then they, off they go and they're, they're on land again. Yeah. Uh, another group was a little bit more safety conscious and they had relatives that had been involved in a, in a plane incident where the plane crashed in the water and sank. Hmm. And that sort of resonated with them. And they said, well, what can we do to buy these people time until help can get there? So using the the model of the inflatable um, tube that comes out the side that just slide, slide down on them in case of emergency, they thought, well, what happens if we put those along the side of the, right along the side of the plane, mm. so that once you hit the water, you can you can push a button which then um, inflates these. It might not buy you a lot of time because of the mass of the plane or the damage that's caused, but it will buy you some time so that more people can can be free from this plane. Yeah. These are twelve and thirteen year old kids. That's amazing. And I'm happy to say I had nothing to do with it, <laughs> apart from just challenging their thinking. Yeah, and allowing them to pick their own challenge, I think, opened up a whole broad scope of topics. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's great. 
So happy to hear that, actually. And um, what did you do? You hear any response back from te- um, their parents on, on what they achieve? Absolutely. Um, I was talking to one of their parents the other day, who was um, came in for a subject selection conversation, and I was talking to her about what they what we were doing in Future Innovators, and mm-hmm. she said, "I don't know where the idea came from. Like, I know we had a friend of ours that was on a plane or a relative was on a plane, but." How did he come up with this idea? Wow. And I said, Maybe they must this have seen a movie. <laughs> yeah. This is their group. Yeah. Um, this is their thinking. And she said, I'm so glad that he was able to have this experience. And I said, Well, why is that? Well, you know, why? She said, Initially, when he wanted to pick it, I said, No. I didn't wow. see the point in the subject because it's the first time it's ever been offered. But yeah. he said, No, no, no. It's going to be really cool. I'll do it. So this was the parent that mm. said, Don't. The parent oh, wow. said, I yep. want you to pick a normal mainstream subject. He said, No, no. I want it. This will be really cool. And she said, I'm so glad he got the opportunity to do it because mm-hmm. the fact that he's learned to think and he's learned to believe in himself mm. is now coming across in so many of his other subjects. Wow. He can problem solve. Yep. He can innovate. He can troubleshoot. Yep. Um, and he can think by himself independently so much more than what he could before he started your subject. Yep. Yep. So he, she said, I just wanted to thank you. And I said, that's great. It's just all I did was unlock the imagination yeah. and let them go they've discovered the rest themselves that must be so rewarding for you to hear that from absolutely them. especially when you're working with a group of students and there's two future innovator classes mm-hmm. um, we stream them on purpose so there's our upper two bands class which the other teacher has mm-hmm. and I took a class that had a lot of our literacy challenged and behaviorally challenged students in it mm-hmm. uh, so it was a different dimension of the process yeah uh, no technology low lo-fi um, engagement and prototyping yep. and and things like this, but they've really run with it, and it's been really rewarding to see the journey that they've travelled. Yeah, now oh, that's brilliant, and um, I'm I'm so happy to see so such open-ended assignments being taught, and and it's showing results. So that's brilliant. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask was, do you tailor your approach to each student based on their personality or um, based on how they're engaging with you, or do you? Um, I'm, I'm asking this question because I think. You know, dating back a decade, actually, I shouldn't even say a decade because there are some teachers that still do it um, a bit more of an old-fashioned way of one-size-fits-all type mentality. So personally, when I'm addressing my students at, um, at a university level, I wouldn't push them for a seven if, for example, they're having issues at, at home or they don't have the time or, the, or a proper space for them to actually sit down and do their work. So there's no point in giving them that additional stress instead aim for their whatever this slightly higher version of where they're comfortable with and then try and build their personality or their confidence as they go. So is that, uh, is that something that um, takes place in, in your approach or in um, other teachers in your team as well? Absolutely. We, um, as a college, we've very much taken the approach that uh, we're student-centered mm-hmm. to the point where we even have a mentoring program from grade 7 to grade 12. That's great. So they all get a, a mentor that they can work with and and talk about their, their learning and their challenges and their their wishes and their aims and objectives and we can help them develop a pathway towards that journey. So is that another uh, older student or, or a staff member? A staff member. Staff member, that's great. So they get to sit down and, and we each get about eight yep. students yep. that we work with yep. each year and... It's about personalising that journey Mm -hmm. and having that point of contact of somebody who has the knowledge and information to be able to support them and also has the influence to be able to 
um, support them to engage with other staff or other curriculum areas or yeah. or other opportunities in order to to further their learning. Yeah. In the classroom, absolutely, it's a personalised approach. Yeah. Um, down to the fact where uh, conversations in class are centred around what the students talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach very much to the point where if I'm talking about what I'm interested in, mm-hmm. the kids are not engaging and that's the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. So it's about making sure that you are structuring the curriculum mm-hmm. and the expectations of the curriculum to a level where the students are willing to engage. Because as you said before, if you set your curriculum up so you wanted them all to get A's or 7's, mm. there's about 45 to 55% mm. of your class that are not going to want to engage because yeah. they themselves don't believe, it's not that they can't, they don't yeah. believe they can do that. Yeah. yeah, And it's really, really important to not only personalise it so that they can engage with the content that you're delivering, yeah. but engage with the expectations of what you're going to ask them to deliver. Yeah, uh, And that's part of a partnership between the teacher and the student. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an interesting journey at times, mm-hmm. but... At the end of the day, when they walk up to you and they shake your hand and they say, thanks, mate, mm. you sort of go, and it only happens once in every 400 students you teach. <laughs> yeah. But when a student comes up and, and says that, you sort of sit back and you go, this is why I do my job. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Yeah. That's great. And I'm so happy to hear that, actually. Um, one of the things when we um, facilitate design thinking workshops with students, we try to get them to push more ideas than what they usually think they can especially from a design context and uh, do you do you think firstly that's an actually important thing for them to understand their methodology of design or in another word creative problem solving or design thinking a couple of different labels for the same thing but um or do you think that it's sorry is that actually something you guys you facilitate in your classrooms and, um, and how do you actually go about allowing them to push that? That's always a challenge because there's two dynamics in the classroom generally. Mm-hmm. The one dynamic is the student who's there as a sponge <laughs> and they will take in whatever you want, yep. but you put them on the spot and ask them to think outside the square mm-hmm. and that's a challenge for them. Yep. And then there's the other style that sit there and go, are you still talking? Are you still talking? Wow. Let me do some exploration. I really want to get into this. I really yeah. want to get going. Yeah. And they're the kind of kids that'll sit there while you're talking and, come and up be listening to what you're talking about and they'll be Googling it. Yeah. Yeah. So that they know. Um, of course, <laughs> we'd always love classes like that. But um, <laughs> I think being asking students to challenge their thinking on a regular basis is an important part of any learning process. Mm-hmm. And it's something we really try and do here at Kiwana mm-hmm. because with our focus on the 21st century learning skills and preparing kids for the future, mm-hmm. that's the expectation when they leave us. That's what industry tells us. Yep. They want people that can adapt, can innovate, can critically and creatively think, yep. can problem solve. If you're not challenging their thinking, if you're not asking them to think outside the square, mm. how are you preparing them for that experience? Yep. Yep. Uh, so it's been a real focus of ours for probably the last two or three years. That's great. And so I'm assuming then with the new design syllabus coming in, that would actually play with into it uh, with your adaptation of the new syllabus and 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 um, implementing that do you actually have any specific changes that you you and your team have done to tackle that along with the uh, mind, mindset sh- shift that you've got already in place yeah. one of the things that we're working on at the moment is 
investigating opportunities for project-based learning and, mm-hmm. and independent study. Yeah. Uh, so that's a key aspect of ours. Um, one of my um, objectives in my role is to develop the notion of one project-based learning task mm. per year level per subject. Yeah. Yep. So it's an opportunity for students to be able to experience learning at their own pace, exploring their own aspect of whatever's going on in the classroom, mm-hmm. but being able to test their hypothesis, being able to think outside the square, being able to look at designing opportunities and solutions for users and for um, different aspects of society. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important skill that can be embedded in any area of the curriculum. Yeah. Uh, and as part of that journey, matching up the design process from the new design syllabus to the design process from the digital solution syllabus mm-hmm. to the inquiry-based process, process from history and geography mm-hmm. and English um, to the um, creative processes from hospitality and visual arts and things like that, and then map them against each other yeah. to show the similarities in the approach yeah. across the curriculum yeah. so that we can have an, a common understanding of the different 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 languages that we use for the same approach yeah. so that students that come into us, when we're asking them to critically and creatively think, to innovate, to explore, to develop, that they have a common understanding of what that approach is, even mm-hmm. though we might be using different language and, and different dialogue around that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. So do you actually then um, rely on the support from all teachers from outside of your faculty as well to adapt that same mindset and to go along with it? Absolutely. And we've started on the 21st century learning journey about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And underpinning that approach was the idea of critical creative and and problem solving, critical Mm -hmm. and creative thinking and problem solving, which is really the crux of of most aspects of design if you look at them uh, in the different curriculum areas. So we've consciously moved to embed that across the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And that's enabled the INTAD staff, which have been a little bit slower to develop in that design thinking Mm -hmm. approach, Mm -hmm. to feel supported because it's happening in different areas. And we can talk about that approach in a a supported environment where they're not feeling challenged. Uh, And it's interesting that recently I was talking to a group of teachers, some design and some not design, and we mm-hmm. started talking about design, and one of the design teachers turned around and went, why are you talking about that? <laughs> and it was, a, it was an interesting dynamic, and I sat back and I listened. So this is referring to another teacher from a different faculty? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where was and that teacher coming from? Sorry. Science. Science, there you so go. So they were talking about their critical and creative approach and yep. problem-solving approach and, and inquis- inquiry learning approach, which is very similar in construct to the design learning approach that Intake uses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they didn't see the dynamic, you know. <laughs> Yet, the sci- and it was interesting that the science teacher said, well, look, I'm just like you. Yeah. So and, and it's that whole dynamic and that whole perception of what design is and the fact that mm. designs traditionally belong to Intad for so long mm. that there are people outside that go, oh, design, that's just their problem. That's them, yeah. yeah. But then there's also people within the design that's going, nobody else understands me because I'm the only person that does <laughs> design. Yet there is a, a changing dynamic where it is becoming everybody's business. It's mm. becoming everybody's job. It's becoming part of everybody's teaching and learning. Mm. Yeah. And that's levelling the playing field and enable us to have a really open and refreshed conversation about design and about um, inquiry, about innovation, 
about problem solving yep. and about how that can affects the whole student, not just the intad student or the science student or the arts student. Yeah. Um, and that's been a really rewarding experience for me, being able to be part of those conversations. That. No, that's great. And I'm glad to see those conversations happen because I think it'll, it'll then make way for that change to take place. Um, with, it just reminded me with the whole um, the conversation between the science and the intad teacher, how do you see STEM integration within the school environments, especially in Queensland and yeah. then in an Australian level? Um, STEM's an interesting approach in that it has both positive and negative connotations. Mm-hmm. Um, positive in that it's brought a focus on elements of design and I think that's been its, its true positive impact on teaching and learning is it's highlighted the fact that these faculty areas or these curriculum areas, science, technology, engineering and maths, can operate together in order to achieve a common goal in regards to learning and that there is a commonality in the approach that each of those areas has Mm. on teaching and learning. If there's a negative, I think it came with the connotations that it split the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it was labelled STEM, anybody outside of that area went, oh, that's STEM, you know, that's them. And, you know, we introduced STEAM, which then brought the arts on board. But it hasn't provided an opportunity to develop the whole student, Mm -hmm. um, which has been a bit of a challenge. So looking at STEM and how it interacts with the student has been an interesting journey and much easier to embed in a primary setting Mm -hmm. than a secondary setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got a STEM curriculum Mm -hmm. in the P to 6 environment based on digital and design, Mm -hmm. uh, but incorporating other aspects of the curriculum. And there's an expectation that they do STEM as part of their normal delivery. A little bit more challenging on the secondary where they have very much separate disciplines to be able to look at how STEM yeah. can impact on what they do. Yeah. And part of the the reasoning behind the Innovative Futures opportunity mm-hmm. was to make it a real STEM approach, but give them the opportunity to incorporate other aspects of the curriculum, mm-hmm. to bring in arts if they want to bring it in, yeah. to bring in the idea of social understanding from their humanities subjects, yeah. to be able to bring in science, to be able to bring in mathematics, to be able to bring in communication from yeah. English, to be able to bring in engineering and look at it as a whole curriculum offering so that when a teacher comes up to me and goes, oh, that's in a, um, digital, oh, sorry, future innovators, mm-hmm. what's that got to do with, with <laughs> history? Well, yeah. I can go, well, okay, here it is. Yeah. Here's where they looked at the history of how a plane crashes. Yeah. Here's where they looked at the, the chronological process on how the plane has developed in its safety. Yeah. There's your history. Oh, yeah, but it won't, won't, you know, hasn't got anything to do with English. Okay, well, here you go. <laughs> Here's where we use the design process and we use mind mapping and we use communication to be able to effectively communicate amongst their team and, and deliver an, an idea to a project, a prospective investor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, it's got nothing to do with maths. Okay, well, let's let's look at it. And it's, yeah. it's really interesting um, how we've been able to have those conversations with staff and go, well, look, yes, we understand that you've got your disciplines and, hmm. and you've got your curriculum area, but this is how we can offer it to the students as a whole student. Yeah. And it started that dialogue up. It's been really interesting. That's great. And and at the end of the day, when you're in the industry, all those skills that the student's taking on board, whether it, it's maths, history, science, or design, it all comes in to, comes together and they, and they need to put something together if they're, for example, really working in a firm designing that kind of a product. So that's great. So happy to hear that 
um, schools are recognizing that and, and implementing that at, at a very thorough level and embedding that. Um, looking at the time, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. Um, thank you so much. And um, I'm sure our listeners are very um, grateful for the insight you've shared. Um, and if you, if any of anyone listening would like to get in contact with um, Russell, obviously he's the 21st century learning um, head of department at um, Kawana Waters State College. Um, thank you so much, Russell. You're more than welcome. Pleasure.